Jeff's Jackie K. Welcome for another edition of the Pokemon Go Fireside Chat. I should have done it a little bit closer to the moment, but I did want to at least talk a little bit about GoFest since I did take part in it. It's actually two days since Sunday's GoFest, and I've kind of been taking it a little easy with Pokemon Go. I haven't really done too much besides check the game for spawns around the house, and when I went out those other two days to take care of other errands, just been a focused opportunity to make sure I kept my daily streak going and all that. So it might take me a little bit to get back into it. I'm not sure if this will be of entertaining retrospective, in case retrospective something. But I guess I waited a little too long and I'm a little disassociated from any hype I might have had from the moment. And it might make it more like a nice or whatever. I'm kind of just not good at reciting memories of them too disassociated from them. But I'm gonna try. I'll start by giving an overview of the specifics of what happened during GoFest, at least if you bought the ticket, and see what sort of memories get triggered from that. So GoFest was a two-day event, and it was actually fairly different between both the days, starting off with Saturday, I should say. Saturday kinda had an incense day format, but without the incense where every hour the spawns you would do are based around a certain theme. And the fun part on top of that was that there was additional challenges that everyone around the world worked to achieve to reach a reward. For example, during... I'm trying to remember which one was the Stardust. I think the Water Hour was the Stardust. If you made like a gazillion... If everyone in the world made a gazillion great throws, you would unlock triple stardust for the rest of the hour. And each hour had a little perk like that. Friendship had one relating to sending gifts. Battle had one relating to setting, doing raids. Grass had one related to feeding berries. And the reward was related to experience. And fire was related to catching fire type Pokemon for double the candy. And overall, it went without a hitch in my area, except for when the friendship hour happened. Honestly, things started to fall apart when the friendship hour happened. But I'll come back to that. I want to talk a little bit more about the event itself before I dive deep into any criticism. So for me, like, yeah, there was hiccups every now and then. But overall, it was definitely interesting on a conceptual side. I think the biggest criticism I've heard online was just related to how much filler were in the spawns, but eh, I think like not everything was amazing, which I know is what a GoFest is supposed to be, but it kind of mimicked what I would assume would happen in the habitats where you go to certain areas to get particular Pokemon and not everything you're going to get is super ultra rare, but there's a lot of interesting stuff in the mix, like I feel like the majority, if not all, of the spawns that weren't incredibly good were at least a Pokemon that had the potential to be shiny, which, with the way I play the game, is something I look out for. And especially with all the good things I've heard about Goldfest from years of the past, but again, I'm going to have to save that for when I get into criticism. The global challenge of it all was incredibly interesting, and I like how it was actually built into the game this year, instead of it being like other Goldfest where... You just have to be following them on Twitter, because 
I'll be honest, when I'm out doing something like a community or a goal fest, I'm not usually on social media because I'm too busy playing a game. So it's actually really nice to have all that goal fest stuff built right into the Today tab within the game itself. Really appreciate that detail, and I don't hear too many people talking about it. Really helped turn this goal fest from something that just any ordinary event to like something that actually mattered all around the world. And I personally was happy with all the spawns. Of course, like, there's some stuff I wanted to get more of than I actually did. But even the common, less desirable stuff had a purpose for me to, like, at least click and check on them. Whether it be, like, trims that were worth extra stardust, or even the most common oddities at least had a shiny potential. And to be fair, like, the Grass Hour is probably one of the weaker ones when I keep thinking of examples. I keep going back to Grass Hour. But there was, like, times, like, during the Fire fire Hour had Litwick, some Loa Marowax, Dermaculas. Darumakas were especially was a Pokemon that I needed more of. I don't think I... Because I haven't done my evolution for Darumaka yet. And I haven't gotten the Galarian Darumaka yet either, so... I definitely could use all the candy I could get of those guys. Loa Marowak is amazing for a PvP, but it's always stuck behind a 4-star raid. So there wasn't really too many opportunities to get one. In fact, I've only gotten one or two throughout the entire time Loa Marowak's been out in the game because it's been tied to 4-star raids. Hopefully now with a remote battles being more popular, that can change. I mean... I'll go into reasons later, but I'm not I'm not really pushing for a little Marowak after GoFest because I've gotten so many and a story I'll share later. But if I do find someone to swap these little Marowaks with and still don't get a good one with at least good in the sense of IVs for a great leak, I might consider going out of my way for some. And I definitely wouldn't mind like joining other people for a little Marowak raid. Get to help them get the Pokemon and get more chances at a shiny. I think it was thing with the fire and grass hours as well. But one thing that really stuck out in my mind about the water hour was just how many freaking Blastoids were popping up on my incense. I mean, it would have been... I don't really have a need for Blastoise Charizard or Venusaur because it's either community move or bus, and I've been collecting the starters pre-evolved forms for so long that I could probably get the IVs I need at this point, but it's still cool. It's always hard to see a huge Pokemon pop up in the wild, if only for the amazing Stardust that they give out in return. That's another thing that I think some people might overlook that's worth bringing up. I've noticed that there was particular spawns that popped out of the incense, either more commonly or were exclusive to them, that you couldn't find in the wild. The unknowns were a huge example of this. Like, I don't think I saw a single unknown in the wild, and every single one I caught were caught when I was running the incense. So yeah, that doesn't really help now, but if you had a GoFest ticket and weren't finding the unknowns, you probably weren't running an incense at that time. And I'm sorry for your loss. So, water, grass, and fire probably were self-explanatory. 
But what's the deal with spawns for friendship and battle, you might ask? Well, battle was kind of what I and I think a lot of the community were thinking. A lot of PvP relevant Pokemon, and a few Pokemon that are just real valuable for battling in general, like Gibble. Honestly, you could have called Battle Hour the good hour, and it could almost be interchangeable because on top of all that, you got like stuff like your Durians, which on the US side is a regional we don't normally get access to. You got... And things like Meditate and Swabbles were just popping up everywhere during the battle hour. Incredibly common spawns, but considering how many Swabble candies you need to actually evolve it, and how valuable of a great lead Pokemon it is, it kinda makes sense. That said, I almost forgot about the Fire Hour. We got Durant during the battle hour, but Heatmore was during the Fire Hour, which, if you're on the opposite side of the globe, was pretty valuable. Because that was your main chance to actually get that regional, along with their shinies. Because yeah, they released the shinies for Heatmore and Durant, and like a dozen other Pokemon spiffly during Gullfest. Maybe I'll go more into that when I'm actually looking over the shinies I actually got. Back on the battle hour though, it's a little like conflicting I guess would be a good way to put it because your main objective for the bonus I should say in battle hour revolved around raiding, but there were so many valuable things to catch outside of raids. So there's a little like clash between playing styles with the battle hour in particular, but that's the biggest criticism I have for that. Mm. Keep in mind I'm talking just in terms of concept and way the the game was formatted. Server issues we're gonna have to save for its own side topic. And the thing about raiding was you didn't have to do the raids within the battle hour. Well, I mean for the bonuses you did, but the raids themselves last throughout the entire go fest. So while I'm thinking about raids, let me go over some things that were popping up in raids. At least what I recall. I honestly don't recall anything from Tier 1. I think I saw a couple clinks, but I'm not sure if that was exclusive to Day 2 or Day 1. I want to say Gibble, but Gibble was a Tier 2 raid. Not that it matters, because everyone wanted to do the Gibble, so you had usually had zero trouble actually taking it down. I think a lone executive, yeah, unfortunately, I remember a lone executor being one of the tier 2 raids as well, because second day when I was out with some friends, all they would do was complain about every time a tier 2 raid turned into a lone executor instead of a gibble. I can't even remember what was in tier 3 so it wasn't executors. And tier 4, only thing I remember is the starters, but it doesn't really matter because if you were out raiding on Gullfest, you were probably only going for one of two things. Gibble or Legendary Pokemon. And to be fair, they had a nice selection of Legendary Pokemon for Gullfest. Day 1, they had Kyogre and Groudon. And Day 2, they had all the, the box Gen 4 Legendaries. Got your Dialga, got your Palkia, and both forms of Giratina. There was nothing for everyone between those days, which made it a little unfortunate that I had no one to play with for day one, because I would have loved to actually do a couple more 
Kyogre rates, but the only ones I did, I didn't really have any luck because I was playing completely alone, didn't run into anyone in person, and those legendary Pokemon were so bulky, I was a little afraid that even if I could remote in five people, if I'd be able to do it or not. Granted, you probably can like take down a Kyogre or a Groudon if you have five people and you know that they're all going to bring in optimal teams going in, but if you don't know if they can bring in optimal teams because you want to try to invite some more casual players so they actually have a chance to get the legendary Pokemon that they may miss, it's a little bit more risky, so like I wasn't really... Didn't really want to risk wasting the raid pass. I already like wasted one or two trying to jump into a legendary raid, trying to jump out when I realized there wouldn't be enough people, and then the servers kind of <laughs> yeah, they dinked like just like that, <laughs> and I got screwed out of leaving the raid along with a friend that I re remoted in. And, like, I mean, I just gotta move on. I kind of set aside a certain amount of money, specifically just to enjoy Goldfest, and I didn't even use up all the raid passes and incubators that I had set aside for Goldfest. So, this one wasn't really... I guess I would have been more better if I was a little bit tighter with my money for this event. But I was able to just accept, like, losing one raid past, like, a dollar in the grand scheme thing I can get back soon enough. Whether or not they should get away with it, though. Singing of itself. The answer, the short answer is no. But I'm not really feeling passionate enough about that no to be bitter about it. I'm sure if I took the time to put it in a help desk, this ticket. Could at least get the passes that I lost or do the surfer lag refunded or something, but eh, I'll worry about that later. <laughs> it's already been two days since GoFest happened, so we'll see if later ever comes. So I want to talk a little bit more about the battle hour before I move on. Overall, I think it was my favorite hour just because the response everywhere that you could like. The only downside to it was like the bonus. But that's only because I was so focused on catching, I wasn't really too interested in raiding. What well, was like you had to do, everyone had to do a set amount of raids, and then you just got double EXP, or was it triple? I forget. You got extra EXP and Stardust for doing raids, which, if you had a group to raid with and had a raid plan, I could see that being great. But for me in particular, who was stuck alone that day, I wasn't really too interested in the rating bonus, which was fine because, like I said, a lot of cool spawns to hunt. And, like, if you saw, like, a Gibble hanging out by itself in a tier 2 raid, it gave you an extra incentive to actually go do that Gibble raid. But if you couldn't find that Gibble raid until after the hour, is not the end of the world. At least that's the way I perceived it. The selfish side of me kind of wishes that there was more Gibble spawns, because, like, I it feels like I hunted really hard to find Gibbles specifically during those battle hours and could only come up with like maybe five at most. But at least Gibble raids made up for that. 
and what I thought was a blessing just ended up being a curse of my time zone starting off with the battle hour. I thought that'd be fantastic because I'd be jumping right into the best part as is. However, I ended up running late, just like getting ready to leave for GoFest, so I kind of like missed the first 10 minutes or so of the battle hour. And then, which may put a little bit of extra pressure on me to try to grind out the second battle hour. What I'm trying to say is maybe stress got in the way of my fun a little bit when it's just a video game and I shouldn't be stressing over that sort of thing. Last but certainly not least when it comes to these hours, you're going to have to trust me on this, is friendship hour. I think a lot of people's first reaction when reading the news on this is, what the heck is a friendship? What do you make spawn for a friendship theme environment? Well, it turns out a lot of Togekiss, that's for sure. With Battle, you can kind of like imagine like, okay, maybe Battle Hour would be stuff that could be good for battling. But what the heck is a friendship? It just turned out to be where all the cutesy Pokemon, the huggable Pokemon, reside. Like, this is where all the Snorlaxes were hanging out. This, Like I said, this was where you got the old Togekiss, which is good to get because Togetic, I should say, is the only way to actually get a Pokemon low enough level for Great League. Which I don't know how I feel about Togekiss in Great League being available to the masses, but we'll see how that plays out. Go Battle League is currently on Season 3 spiffly in the Great League, so we'll see if I come across any Togekiss as I'm working my way up. Tangent aside, other things for Friendship Hour. This is like where Pulso and Minum were hanging out, I'm pretty sure. Got your Jigglypuff, your Clefairy, which were nice because Jigglypuff was a brand new shiny, and I didn't get a Clefairy during the Spotlight hour, so that would have been a good time to get that. Let me see if I'm missing out on any particular friendship spawns. Dude! How could I forget about Shimeko, aka the Stardust Dude? And for those of those wondering what the heck is the purpose of Audino, I had my suspicions, but I had to actually catch one. Which I think I caught during the friendship hour to confirm it, but yeah, sh kinda like Shimeko, I'm pretty sure Audino gives you a ton of stardust when you catch it, cause I, you know what it was, I, I got super lucky and caught an Audino after GoFest was all over on Sunday. Sorry, there was no Audino within GoFest itself, for better or for worse for people. But when I clearly remember, I spent all day catching stuff before then, so it definitely wasn't like my first day streak or anything like that. I caught that freaking audio and I got so much Stardust that it felt like the same amount of Stardust that would come from a Shimeko. Shimeko being the Pokemon that actually did spawn during the Friendship Hour to get things back on tangent. Uh, well, I'm trying to remember if it was anything else super cool with the friendship hour it is a good time to bring up that Rotom's were showing up in photobombs so we finally got a Rotom in the game 
what's kind of interesting is that they decided to like make our first roll time that we got to catch the washing machine form. I could have sworn that they would have just gone normal roll time and either take the time to actually implement it so it could actually make use of its transformation element or just release the other forms of roll time after the original one. But no, they jumped right to roll time wash for some reason. Maybe, only thing I can think of is is summertime? And Nanak is an American company, so maybe they're thinking summer, everyone's hot. Why not get a washing machine with a convenient hose to spray people down to cool them off? It's a bit of a stretch, but it's the only thing I can think of of why Roll Town Wash. Minus maybe it has some potential for a PvP, cause I haven't crunched the numbers yet, but I remember like Roll Town Heat and Roll Town Wash especially being pretty significant members of the main series game PvP for a while. I keep, I forget if they're as prominent these days, especially, I have no idea how they play on the short, sword and shields meta, because minus like false waste gaming videos, I am completely disconnected from the world of sword and shield. Tangent aside, I, when I was in the competitive scene, everyone loved Roll Town, and from the little bits I've been following the competitive scene, people still love Roll Town. Specifically because it tends to be a very bulky electric type with some unique elements to it. So I'm kind of curious to see if any of that translates into it being a good competitive Pokemon for PvP. Granted, a huge part of that element is its ability Levitate, which makes it immune to ground type moves. And electric type being immune to its main weakness is amazing in and of itself, and it thankfully gets balances by Roll Tom subtype. So, it might not be as good in Pokemon Go just because it's not immune to ground types like it was in the main series game. But now I'm super curious to just crunch it some numbers after I'm done recording this. Just to double check. Beside tensions aside, where was I? Friendship hour. You know what? It's time. Unless I do a whole separate segment, this is the most clear transition to the biggest criticism I had with GoFest, so I might as well just get out of the way. Servers were awful ever since the Friendship Hour started. I mean, I can't remember for sure, I may have had to open up the game once or twice, but obviously not, it wasn't enough of an issue for me to remember it. But man, oh boy, when that first Friendship Hour kicked in, it was not fun for anyone trying to play. Granted, I think I think other parts of the world had it worse off than me because I was at least able to play. But the whole point of the friendship hour was for everyone to send gifts to each other, so we could unlock the reward of getting a rare candy out of the gifts that we opened. Guess what decided to break during this very specific hour where you had to do a very specific thing. The buddy list. The area you need to go into the video game in order to send gifts to people and open gifts from people. Yeah, that was busted. Apparently we actually achieved that one? I didn't... I just assumed that we flat out failed to complete that challenge. 
because I was checking throughout the whole hour and that was down and I was checking the global leaderboard. I oh man, I didn't check like maybe the last half hour, twenty minutes. So I probably missed it. But it just seemed like we were so far behind from reaching that goal the entire time. And I didn't find out until the following day from some friends that apparently it what we did achieve it just within like the last 10 minutes. So most people didn't even have the time to open up their gifts and get the rare candies anyways. Thankfully, as far as I'm concerned, on my end of the world, the servers got fixed. By the time the second friendship hour came by, that or I got really lucky by just being having myself hover right over the friendship list. As soon as it went from like blank 59 to oh oh and mass sent gifts to everyone I could before the servers could possibly break. But it must have not they must have been at least a little bit better because I was actually able to open once we actually achieved that challenge, I was actually able to open my gifts, get my rare candy, and it was all—it was basically all good in the hood. I opened everyone's gifts that I was going to that first hour, but I couldn't, so it all balanced out. But man, I wish I could say that was the end of the server issues, but that kind of continued into the—I think I feel like that continued in the following hour because for a long period of time. I cannot invite anyone to remote raise, and if you recall from earlier in the show, I was playing completely by myself on that first day. So I was just out of luck. I had no one to do those Groudons and Kyogre raids with, even if I was feeling ballsy enough to actually risk trying to do a five-man raid for a couple hours, because the friendship list was completely busted. It was busted to the point of even affecting... The navigations into friendship and your friends on the rating screen. At the end of the day, it wasn't a huge loss because I did get invited to a Groudon raid. We had like five people and we got wiped. And like, I was in a situation where I got that invitation wiped and I couldn't get back in. But then again, there's been an ongoing glitch where, like, if you have only one remote raid pass left, spend it, you get kicked out of the gym, the game doesn't recognize that you already put the pass in unless you have one in your inventory already. It's super dumb, and I hope that they eventually fix it. But it makes sense from a programming perspective, but definitely not from a player perspective. Actually, now I'm not sure if I'm mixing it up with a different memory, but yeah, it didn't look like we'd be able to take out that raid with the five people we had anyways. So it made me feel a little bit better about like not being able to invite people remotely to Groudon Kyogre raids. I really wish I could do a couple, but it wasn't the end of the world. I'm glad I was working for the second day where Pokemon Day actually needed more candies for, was able to do so. Minus the fact that like one one remote raid invite I had, I had the same glitch of like I tried to invite the guy or I got invited to one, my team wiped, and because I didn't have a remote raid pass, I couldn't get back into the I didn't even get the notification 
to go back into the raid, let alone the error message. Yeah, no error message, just no way to even interact with that gym. Didn't show up on my nearby, didn't show up anywhere. But like I said, I had a lot, I was hoping to do a lot more raids. I didn't even go through um, the raid passes and stuff that I had set aside specifically for GoFest, so that made the impact of actually having those things go to waste hurt a lot less than someone else may be impacted by it. <laughs> I guess we may actually end up getting another hour-long podcast after all. I was pretty sure it would be 30 minutes, but I haven't even talked about the second day yet, let alone the shiny second on the first day. Let me take a quick look-see on the YouTube, or I mean on my phony phone. It is worth mentioning that the spawn rate for shinies. Now give me one sec to sync it up for the video people. So, first day ago, Fess. First shiny I got was a pseudo-woodle. Which is why I'm seeking that pseudo-woodles for spawning during the friendship hour. Because the next shiny I got was during the water hour. Which I think preceded the friendship hour. Super happy about my pseudo-woodle. Specifically because I didn't get I don't have a shiny Sudowoodle before GoFest, so it was a unique Pokemon to get at GoFest. That's a common theme I find with my shiny luck during GoFest. Minus a couple exceptions. There wasn't, I didn't get as many shinies as I was expecting to get for, you know, being outside for 10 hours in a day. But at least the shinies I did get were really cool shinies. Not the top, I'm not sure, well some of them are the top tier coolest, but there was a couple that I kind of like, man, I wish I would have gotten that. But hopping on over to my next one, and it was the IVs on the Sewell and good, and it was okay. Next shiny I got was a Quillfish during the water hour. Not exactly the most spectacular thing, but it is a brand new shiny for me. It came out specifically during GoFest. I think, I, why, I can't think of an event that it came out in besides GoFest, so I gotta assume that's the case. Still, like, it's a bright, vibrant pink with purple tint. It's a really cool shiny. Glad I got it. Quillfish is really good for PvP, so that, that was something, that was another thing during the Water Festival. And I got over like, okay, maybe it's not like go battle good for PvP, but like, I have seen Quillfish pop up a couple of times in the Sylph League. So being able to catch Quillfish was really good. Like, Quillfish was one of those Pokemon that I never seemed to have been able to get enough of to like build up the candy. I should have taken a screenshot of my Quillfish candy count before and after Goldfish, but I'm pretty sure I it wasn't much more be above 100, and now I'm sitting at like, over 600 quillfish candy. So um, if I ever want to use the quillfish, that's all good and handy. And yes, I managed to get myself the elusive shiny unknown. Oh yeah, I called it grass unknown because I got it during the grass hour. Was it any good? I mean, it's an unknown that doesn't really matter. So, eh, okay. Yeah, I'm in the weird part, like... 
the place I played on Saturday was like so close to Canada that it just fits in the two cells of Canada, even though I did stay on the U.S. side the whole time. Pandemic's still going on, so it's not like I could go over to Canada even if I wanted to. I survived for during the bail hour. It'd be weird if it was, cause then I got the clam pearl during the water hour. I'm kind. Of, this kind of makes me wish you could at least look up what time as well as state that you got it in. But that's a lot of pro access programming stress on the servers and just memory and the code in general. That's overall unnecessary. But yeah, I'm real. Ha I'm happy I got this shiny survivor. The one downside is that it is my regional, so I much obviously would have rather had the shiny Sangus because. I can shiny hunt for survivor any time. Sangu's, I don't know when I'm gonna get another opportunity to get that shiny. But hey, at least I got one of them at long last. And I think the last shiny I got on Saturday was this clan pearl. Pretty much the only meh shiny I got from Goldfest. And at least it's a good looking shiny. I got a little confused because I'm pulling up the appraisal and I only was showing it on screen because I didn't think they, I thought they were all from that one place. I may have to bleep out where I got this particular shiny clan pearl from. But yeah, I remember now that first day of Goldfest, I was getting real tired from the heat. So I actually went home early and just ran incense for the rest of the time frame. And I guess I got this clan pearl from that particular incense. Just to uh, double check to make sure I didn't hatch it from an egg. So yeah, only got five shinies from that first time frame of Goldfest. But at least they were all fantastic shinies. The rest of y'all watching on YouTube may see other shinies I got, but we'll get into them later. Ah shoot, ah shoot, ah shoot. I forgot about overall thoughts on the first hour of Goldfest. I'm going to put the server issues aside. I know like some people may go like, really? You're gonna ignore up in the room? But it's just that I don't think I can say anything that anyone else hasn't already said. Like, of course, the game should work during one of the biggest events in the, the game. And to be fair, I think Nanx already addressed it in the fact that they're doing a makeup hour or makeup time frame. I forget. I've only heard it from second hand. I haven't looked into it myself because that's just how little I was concerned about it. Take of that what you will. So beyond the server issues, yeah, I kind of wish there was more shinies. I was a little surprised that of how little I got for how long I played. But that part of that was because I only thing I had to go by was people's luck from previous GoFests and community days. So when you're looking at it from that perspective, I can see how it'd be a little disappointing. To spend 10, for my sake, we'll say 6 to 10 hours, because it's not, like I said, I did go home a little early. 6 to 10 hours outside playing basically nonstop. Obviously, like, I took a little breaks to eat, to drink. But even then, I was at least still checking my phone. And to get, like, maybe half the shinies that I 
got on community day. And I'm not talking about these six hour long community days. I'm talking about back when community days only lasted three hours. When you put ten hours of work and get three hours worth of shinies, yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of hard not to be disappointed if you're thinking of it from that angle. But like I said, where I lacked in quantity, I made up for in quality. And there's a lot more to Goldfest than just the shinies. You had access to a lot of Pokemon that, were, I, that you usually don't get nearly as many of. Like Lola Marowak, most people could only get from Reigns, Litwicks, you usually throw a celebration if you see them, and Gibble, oh boy, Gibble. <laughs> um... Let's, can, let me talk a little more about Gibble. When we first got some of the promotional pieces and saw Gibble was on the artwork and everyone was all hype of, Oh, Gibble's fun, they're going to be everywhere. I'll admit, I had my expectations lowered already. Because there's another Pokemon that was featured well on the front of an event promo picture. That was highly valued, didn't get too many chances to catch. Either because it's super rare or tied behind a particular feature. And you know what they did to that Pokemon? They didn't make it spawn in the wild at all. They made it so you got two encounters with that Pokemon throughout the entire event. Guaranteed encounters, but only two nevertheless. One was from the special research tied to that particular Safari Zone. I believe it was Philly's Safari Zone. The Pokemon is Rufflet, by the way. You got yourself that rufflet from the special research, and you got a rough, you got like maybe two rufflets from photo bombs. So that taught, even though I wasn't part of that event, that taught me to keep my expectations low when it comes to a super rare Pokemon featured. And just cause it's featured doesn't mean that it's gonna be a spawn. Thankfully, I was wrong, and Gibbles were popping up in wild, and they were also popping up in raids. Which, with the remote rating system, that alone made up for the Gibble spawns feeling a little bit lacking on my end. Because even if you can't find the Gibbles, you can at least have friends that can find Gibble raids and invite you to them. All I'm saying is, I'm really happy with how they handle Gibble. Obviously, I would have loved more Gibble, but at least they didn't pull a rufflet on my boy Gibble. Okay, I managed to tangent that off another 10 minutes extra. Uh, for real now though, I am gonna go on break. I can feel my voice really needing a rest as is. And when we come back, gonna talk about Sunday. I'm real happy about Sunday because honestly, like, I think Saturday, I'm not sure if it was playing at home, the server issues, or the heat, or even just the stress of like, this would be the weekend I'd be going out to Con Bravo. A convention up in Canada that's real valuable to me. Shoot, that's another tangent in and of itself. Con Bravo weekend, I don't really get out too often. And Con Bravo is one of those activities that I would typically go out. And what's super hype for me is I get to meet up with a lot of people I watch online in person. And kind of, and in the process, I get to hang out with a lot of like fellow 
fans of video games and kind of just resets my perspective of, hey, humanity's not horrible. So, July's been a rough month for me because I haven't been able to go to that because, one, pandemic, two, Canada closed their doors because of pandemic, and honestly, I don't blame them for wanting to keep the U.S any Americans out of their country as long as possible because I'm not going to go into the politics of it, but yeah, if you've been following the news, you probably know where I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I miss Count Bravo. And all these various factors, both inside and outside of GoFest, kind of brought down my mood with GoFest. There was fun elements of Saturday, but the negative elements kind of made me question of if I actually had fun overall or not. Thankfully for me personally, Sunday made up for that. And that's where that tangent was going. See y'all in a sec when I talk about Sunday and GoFest. Welcome back. So, how was Sunday? Where did I even start? I guess a good place to start was with the actual spawns for D2. Honestly, it was pretty hype. It was basically a best of combination. Where they took pretty much some good spawns from each of the Our Habitats that were popping out throughout Saturday. And just mix them all together in the spawn pool. You can find Alone Marilax hanging out with Alone Executors and Togekiss and Litwicks and I can't even remember if there was any Darimakas. It would have been a waste if there wasn't Darimakas though. And basically, like I said, just pretty much the best of every habitat. A lot of the filler Pokemon. As people were describing him, like, there's no Bellsprouts, there was no Oddishes. Still had, like, those Bulbasaur, Charmanders, and Squirtles with the Pikachu hat. But, I mean, hey, considering they were GoFest exclusive and they could be shiny, it probably wouldn't have been a good thing if they didn't include them. So that's all good. I definitely see the pros and cons for doing it this way. Overall, considering what they did with Day 2 as a whole, I think this was a brilliant idea. But there's definitely an appeal to going after a particular theme of Pokemon each hour. And with the bonus events going on along with it, it was probably for the better, like, when we had to catch grass Pokemon that there wasn't fire water type Pokemon interrupting the mix as well. So I want to emphasize that I think it was good that they did one day the particular style they did and the second day just having the best of the best where we go around and catch. And the reason they keep saying like it's probably for the best that they mixed the pools together and didn't have them for specific hours was because of the rocket takeover. Yeah, this is a questionable decision by some people, but I mean... In the overall narrative of GoFest, everything seemed to really add up to that being the case. 
Plus, personally, I love to go rocket grind, so you're not going to see me complain about being able to fight more gold rocket leaders, get more chances to get shale shinies, and maybe some good shale Pokemon along the way. I can see some people not being fans of the battling system, being a bit more hesitant to this, but I just think it really adds to the narrative of the event itself, and they definitely made some accommodations to make this particular event more enjoyable for those types of people. They made all the gold rocket grunts, leaders, and even bosses a lot easier. I think they specifically like lowered the amount of damage and defense they did in half. That's just a number I'm throwing out there though, it, and it does feel kind of accurate. Little spoilers, but to give you a little context, I managed to beat Giovanni with a Lucario. Not even a maxed out Lucario, it was a leftover Lucario from Ultra League. Though I think I did swap some moves over to Power Up Punch before I did so. But yeah. The focus wasn't on challenge for this event, it was on accessibility, which, considering that it's Gold Fest, and not everyone that's taking part in Gold Fest is going to be a PvP battler, I'm perfectly okay with that. Plus, it makes the grind easier. Because they managed to bring back, probably what, in my opinion, the best rotation of Gold Rocket Shadow Pokemon. I mean, mind you, <laughs> the legendary Pokemon that they were hiding in the back would have been even more cool to grind. But, in terms of what's been in the past rotations of Gold Battle, Gold Rocket Grunts, or Gold Rocket Leaders, I should say. I think the Pinsir, Malwile, and Beldum is the best set that they've ever done. For one, Beldum is an amazing Pokemon in of itself. If you manage to like get the community move on a Shadow Beldum, it becomes pretty much one of the best DPS things in the entire game, let alone like anything that Steel is weak to. Malwile isn't as good as Beldum, but at least has a really nice niche in Great League PvP. And I can imagine, like, being a Shadow Pokemon amplifying that even more so. And Pinsir, hmm, Pinsir's not much to talk about for now, but it does get a Mega Evolution. And as you recall from when I was discussing Mega Evolutions, it's up there when it comes to Bug-type Pokemon. Pretty much will probably be the Bug-type Pokemon you go to if you don't didn't catch a Heracross because you don't live in the region where Heracross spawns in. Scissor might be up there too, but it's all going to play out based on moves and... Point being, Mega Pinsir is really good. But best of all, I think they, one of the most wonderful facts about them is that they all have amazing shinies. And thinking about it, I can't really think of a bad Shadow Shiny that we've gotten so far. But I think like this set is one of the best. Also, it's a set that I really want to grind because it's home to my first and only Shadow Shiny, that Shadow Pinsir that I got a few months back. So it would make me feel complete if I could complete the set. So that alone, all that was enough to incentivize me to just keep fighting Rocket Leaders, even after I completed the special research that they were all tied to. With the glimmer of hope, of another Shadow Shiny somewhere down the lane. 
As for the special research itself, I really like how it's laid out. I kind of wish I didn't spoil myself on it because as I took little peeks of what the event on Sunday would be like in advance, it required me to look deeper and deeper into it in order to sway away some negative opinions I may have had about it otherwise. For example, I was reading up of how you fight the leaders with their shadow Pokemon, and they you have to fight against a shadow Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno, but you can't actually catch them. You just caught their lead. Without the context of the special research, I could see how that could be upsetting, especially without the context that we that the rocket leaders were going to be insanely easy, even with legendary Pokemon on their side. Because of all the reductions that they made to Go Rocket in general to make it more accessible. A little spoiler in the special research. But basically when you get to the part, in a lot of sense it's like a typical Giovanni research set. So eventually you get to a step where you have to fight Arlo, Sierra, and Cliff. Now mind you, you can fight these guys before you get up to that step. And that's why you get their lead. However... You do get these Shadow Legendary Pokemon, you just have to wait until you actually get to that step where you're specifically asked to fight the Rocket Leaders, and as you fight each individual Rocket Leader for that step, your, re your reward for completing that particular task is the Shadow Legendary Pokemon. They probably did this way to gate people from just farming down Shadow Legendary Pokemon, but it kind of just adds to the narrative of the special research in of itself. And you may be wondering if the leaders had legendary Pokemon, then what the heck Giovanni had? Well, take a while guess. If you say Lugia, I won't I won't blame you, but you're wrong. They released Shadow Mewtwo. It's not the Shadow Mewtwo that Pokemon fans may expect, but honestly in some senses I think it's kinda cool in its own way. Like it looks so very similar to just what they typically do with a shadow Pokemon, where they just like put the shadow, shadowy aurora glowing behind it, and the red eyes. But they also have like this little, what I would call, electric effect zoning around specifically shadow Mewtwo. And I'm cool with that, because it gives it its own individuality in this particular video game world. It doesn't have to be a copy-paste from another game. With that said, though, I do hope we kind of get the Shell Lugia treatment from Calcium and XD if they eventually decide to release it. I won't blame them if there's like some sort of legal hurdle to get to that point. But the fact that they were able to get the Shell Pokemon name <laughs> to use for this game in the first place really gives me a lot of hope that when they do Shell Lugia, they're going to go all in on that design. Shadow Lugia has basically become the face of Shadow Pokemon. Probably one of the most iconic Pokemon from that entire series. Granted, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was the only Pokemon that actually got a special effect or redesign while all the others just had like Shadow Auroras. If you think the Shadow Pokemon designs in Pokemon Go are lazy, uh, just mind you that if you take away the red eyes, you basically have a Shadow Pokemon from the main series games, or the GameCube games. I know they're technically considered spin-offs 
but in my heart they're not. <laughs> Another element that I really liked out of Community Day Day 2 were the raids. Like I said, I didn't have the greatest luck with raiding on Day 1. So in response to that, I went up to the college campus area that I used to play in all the time before, like, social distancing and all that was a major issue. And my suspicions were rewarded properly. Like, the place I played at day one wasn't bad, but nothing compared to where I played day two. In case you missed it, the main reason I didn't go up there in the first place for day one was because I was running late, and it is like an extra... 20 minutes to go up to this campus in comparison to where I actually played for day one. And I really was missing out on the freaking spawns for the battle hour as is, or should I say as was. But back on the tangent of raiding, it was a lot more fun to do raids on day two, specifically because the location was better, more gyms and Pokestops closer together. But I actually was able to run into people who were playing the game, including friends of mine. So there were periods of times that we were actually able to play together. We didn't stick around the entire time frame, mostly because the air was a pain in the butt for me and just popped up all everywhere when I first started the game for GoFest. But when I actually got to the part of the freaking special research where I had to actually fight her in order to progress, that was when she decided to stop, not show up anywhere. Not in any of the Pokestops. I kept checking the rocket balloon that constantly checked in, and it was always frickin' Cliff or frickin' Arlo. So probably spent like an extra... Most people probably got that done within like the first hour of the event. For me, it took like two or three hours. Specifically because Sierra just wouldn't show up. But it was all good. I was able to do some shiny hunting while I was walking between stops and checking balloons, so... In some sense, I probably wouldn't have gotten any... I wouldn't have gotten some of the best shinies of that day. If the air wasn't a pain in the butt to find. Again, I know I just got unlucky. Unless he spiffily makes the air more rare because she has that beldum. I doubt it, but... <laughs> Now I got the conspiracy part of my brain turning. Anyways, we're at sight. Back in Tangerine, yeah, I did. So it was fun to actually get to do the raids. And even when I didn't have my friends around, that area is such a popular Pokemon Go playing space that usually I could just, like, walk up to a raid and there would be a group of people to pop in. It was actually a little amazing, a little complicated to try to invite others to join in as well because there's a lot so I'm sorry if I invited you to a raid and you got screwed out of it somehow because there's at least a couple raids that I had to like jump out because it was the lobby was filling up too fast and jump back in and I wasn't sure if that would throw anyone's invites off or not but hey I know a couple friends managed to get on to some raids and I'm Pretty sure we're able to get their first Yalga and other legendary Pokemon because of that. So minus the GoFest hype, that was like probably the best way to enjoy raids. I have the best of both worlds. I'm able to actually not worry about having enough people, 
to actually complete the raid, but still be able to invite people who may not be able to play or get legendary Pokemon from raids. Either because they live in too rural of an area, or they typically don't have friends to actually go do raids with. So just being able to bring Pokemon Go to more people made up more than made up any money worth I might have lost from doing the raids in the first place. Especially the ones that didn't quite go as well as planned. It was worth it just to give, just for the chance to give someone else a chance to get their first legendary or get a legendary they don't normally have an opportunity to get. All that said, I think that covers the main additions, features for Sunday. It's basically, the gimmick was all the spawns from each of the habitats were all one place, so you didn't have to wait for particular hours to find them, and the rocket takeover. Once you got done with the special research, the world was your oyster. There wasn't really any additional tasks to worry about. On the downside of not having additional bonuses, during that time frame, but and that was what Saturday was for. Speaking of bonuses, there was one bonus for GoFest Sunday that I was really hyped about. Like, <laughs> for a crazy guy like me, would help justify the ticket costs in and of itself. Ticket holders actually got to get two mysterious components every time they beat a grunt, which made grinding for rocket leaders fantastic. And I did have a Pokeball Plus, so I could I could spend more time than I'd like to admit just fighting grunts and trying to get to the leaders over and over and over again, while not missing out completely on the shiny grind. That said, though, I did get a few shinies on that day. So I'd like to share that, and i also like to share at least what I got with the Shadow Pokemon. So give me a sec to pull up the game. Alright, with that Clam Pearl I got from Saturday, we're finally on to day two. As I was alluding before, the big reason I was actually able to take time to Shiny Hunt specifically was because Sierra would not let me find her when I actually needed to find her for ages, so... As weird as it is, I got more- I think I got more Shinies on Sunday? than I did Saturday, but I definitely wasn't grinding as hard for shinies on that day. But as I did, the first thing I got was this fabulous Golden Sableye. It's, it's a shiny that's been out for a while, but it's one that's always eluded me. So I'm definitely more than happy to actually finally get one of my own. It's got such a fabulous gold color. I just noticed that the diamonds, the jumps on his body change color too. It's a fantastic shiny, that's all I can really say. And you guys ready for the big one? Like the, like I, t <laughs> I got this like, maybe the first two, first three hours of GoFest and there's no topping it? It's your boy, weather boosted baby shiny gibble. Apologies in advance that Ivy suck trash. But it's a shiny gibble so I had no intent to evolving this thing anyways cause Shiny Garchomp is garbage. I think Shiny Mega Garchomp is at least a good shiny, but I don't care. I already got way more Garchomps than I would ever want. 
That reminds me. Yeah. I have a weird history with Gibbles. Like, I can't... I have as much trouble finding them as everyone else. But if you've been following me for a while, you know I got some pretty good Gibble slash Garchomps. First I got that freaking lucky Hundle Garchomp, Hundle Gibble from a trade I did with my Con Bravo Gibble. Still technically my Con Bravo Gibble in my heart. But I was just trading some Gibbles with a friend to try to get some extra candies. And yeah, this one's lucky too. Um, not sure if there's a way I can show this without like pulling up the area accidentally, but the IPs aren't bad. It's a 14, 15, 14, which is pretty good enough itself. And it's from a tray, so I don't think the location's that big of a deal. But the real kicker, something I forgot to bring up Saturday, mostly just because so much else going on, I actually like jumped the border within the virtual game, thanks to the power of remote raid passes, to do a Gibble grade. And you're not gonna believe this. It's another freaking hundo, so I currently have two lucky Gibble slash guard chomps and two hundos of Gibble and guard chomp. It's nuts. Also, I guess I can showcase just how many Gibbles I got during GoFest, because I haven't really transferred any of them yet. It's okay, I showcase the shiny, I can, it can be on screen. 23 minus like... At least the one that was from before. Yeah, this Gibble was, must have been left over. Oh, GoFest was already... The 25th feels like so long ago, so yeah. I got 22 Gibbles throughout both days of GoFest. Which consider, which is probably a little disappointing of an amount for 20 hours of gameplay. But hey, I mean, like, it worked out for me, like, gives me, gives me justification to keep walking my Gibbles. Like, I've been working on making this Gibble my best buddy, just in case. Honestly, there's no reason for me to use... have two best buddies. Because I'll always be going for the Hundo Garchomp, but... Eh, just so I have an excuse to keep it out and walk in and get more candy. Plus, I can always flex this... Now that I have this shiny Gibble, I can just... Whenever I need more Gibble candy, just pull it out as my buddy to flex. But that was enough of that particular tangent. <laughs> okay, just to prove <laughs> that I'm not insane or lying to you all, here is my Hundo Lucky Garchomp, who's also my best buddy. Man, so much has changed since Pokemon Go came out. If you would have asked me like five years ago, before. If you asked me five years ago that I would actually have some Garchomp slash Gibbles that has some mental value attached to, I would have called you crazy. I just, I was one of those people who just wasn't actually a fan of Garchomp's design. Like, I get how people would find it cool, but like, and between just being mad to his design and having a little bit of a history with it, it wasn't exactly positive. It kind of just 
affected my opinion on that. So where were we? Gibble. Glorious blue-yellow gibble. That I don't plan on evolving anytime soon. Despite being water boosted. What did I get after that? As I said, I've been using the Pokeball Plus for a lot of my GoFest time. Cause, just because I was putting so much focus on trying to fight Rocket Leaders and get a second chance at a Shiny Shadow. Especially considering that once this is over, I don't know when these particular Shiny Shadow Pokemon or these Shadow Pokemon will come back. Because the Rocket Leaders had a completely different rotation than what was in GoFest. But yeah, I got my first Shiny Muck. Kind of funny how like the one muck has this Kanto coloration and vice versa. This was also on the Go Plus. This is kind of where things, the quantity kind of takes over on the quality because I already, I think I already had two shiny magic cards before this, and I was one of the people lucky enough to get a shiny Gyarados during the Chinese New Year event. But like, there were so few shinies floating around both days ago Fest, I was just happy to get a shiny in general, whenever I got one. Speaking of which, like, this Magikarp, I didn't get on the plus, so I actually popped off to it when I saw it, even though I had a few already. Thankfully, they, I think they at least made a smart move not to reveal Magikarp Community Day until after GoFest, because I definitely wouldn't have been popping off for this Magikarp. If they reveal that. Yeah, just to show how much the day passed by without any shinies. This Marowak I got at 5pm. When the event ended at 8pm. I think it's actually my second last shiny of the entire GoFest. But man is it a good shiny to get. Freaking shiny alone Marowak. IVs aren't PvP great, but I think it actually has better PvP IVs than the Marowak I was using before, because that one was actually real bad. But it actually still does real good. So I'm tempted just to power up and use this one again, because it's technically better, but I do think I technically have better Marowaks than even the Shinies, so resource-wise, it'd probably be better to invest in one of those if I'm gonna reinvest, but cool, shiny flex, uh... We'll see what I get with IVs when I eventually get around to trading them. If I get around to trading them, because I'm honestly not that great trading. Like, I only have one trading buddy I can constantly go to, and they probably didn't stock up on a little Marowax. Let's see. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to pop up a different clip for this, because this is... Oh, I... This story is kind of sad, actually. So I might as well get out of the way before going over my Shadow Pokemon, because that's at least halfway decent. So sometime after Alone Marowak, I had a couple eggs on incubators. 10 kilometer eggs. So as I was walking around, for some reason it feels like I walked a ton, but it took forever for my eggs to hatch. So my eggs hatch. The first one was a cling, not shiny, but cool. I'll always take an opportunity to at least attempt to get the shiny clink. The second ten kilometer egg 
<sighs> was a shiny Feebas. This stupid shiny... Oops, I almost transferred it. I don't hate it that badly. <laughs> As I was saying, this fantastic mess of a Feebas just decided to swim... Hatch out an egg. I was going for a swing pun, but I realized it doesn't really work. Now, it's kind of cool to get a shiny out of an egg, because that is a rare occurrence in and of itself. But the reason that this feedback in particular is a disappointment, maybe even a curse, that was my last shiny for all of GoFest. And it wasn't even a Golfest shiny. I just still happened to pick up an egg and hatch it out of it. So this stupid Feebas cursed my shiny luck for the rest of Golfest. Granted, I think it caught like maybe 6 o'clock, so I only had 2 hours left of Golfest to get a shiny. But on the other hand, that's 2 hours of freaking Golfest to get a shiny. This Golfest that Oz were down, so it's not as shocking, but it, it's an unfortunate series of events that make it really easy to pin my bad luck on this stupid purple fish. And as you can see, it's not even my first shiny Phoebus, so the thing with shiny Phoebus is once you get one, the charm's kind of gone. And actually, one of these Phoebus has already been evolved into a Myolic. So this is like the fourth freaking shiny Phoebus. Freaking, freaking, freaking Phoebus. Enough about that. Maybe we can find some fun shadow Pokemon to cover in the mix. So, I'm going to showcase the IVs I got for each of the legendary birds from the special research. This one's a 15, that kind of looks like a 13, 9. It's not great, but it's 3 stars and has perfect attack. So it's probably one of the better Moltres I'll get for a while via Shadow. Articuno is also a three star, but its IVs mm, are a bit more mixed and therefore a little less impressive. It's like a 13, 14, 12, maybe if, if not 11 for that HP stat. Granted, I already got an art, <laughs> I already invested a lot in Articuno for Ultra Link, so I don't see myself touching Articuno anytime soon, so not the worst one to get. And I guess I'm just waiting to check out how the IVs of this one stack on PvP poke. Zapdos. Also three stars. Luckily enough I didn't get any like J levels or two star IV legendary Pokemon from the mix. This one's like a 13-9-14. So yeah, like the Moltres... I kind of rather, the closer I can have to having perfect attack, the less better I feel about like powering up. But then again, eh, I mean, like if I'm using some of these for leagues, it might be better if they have lower attack. It's a, I'm a little conflicted of what's better and what's worse. The person I got from Giovanni sucks balls. It's a one star person. I'm gonna just leave it at that. 
and unfortunately my Mewtwo probably had the worst IVs out of all my legendaries. It's only a two star. The good news is the IV that needed to be perfect is perfect. It's a 15911. So yeah, about as terrible as it can be while still having perfect attack. And at least I can't ask for anything worse. As for the other things I got, a lot of my focus was on Dratinis, Machops, Magnemite, or I guess I count Magnemites. My main focus was between Ralts, Dratini, Machop, and Larvitar. Though if I saw something like a Weedle, I might pick it up just because I feel like I have so few opportunities to get Weedle. And of course I was like going after Arlo and Sierra a lot because I don't have the Shiny Shadow yet. And I was skipping Cliff like the Plague to be perfectly honest because I was just so worried that if I fought Cliff even once, that would be the time I got the Shiny Shadow and I ended up having two Shiny Shadow Pincers, which would be a flex in its own right, but I'd much rather actually have that particular set. And I was kind of, you may be curious why I was even worrying about Magnite at all. There's also the point that there were some times that if I felt that I could beat a Rocket Grunt significantly faster than the other Rocket Grunts, I would just go for it to get the radar. But in addition, like, I'm kind of curious of using a Shadow Magnezone in either, like, Great Link or Ultra Link. Probably not anytime soon, because there's much more valuable things to use my Stardust on. Like, perhaps, maybe... A Dynamic... Evil Aurora on top of an Evil Aurora electric effect. Clone Cat. Oh yeah, it's going over why I went after Shadows I did. Machop, even though I have a Shadow Machamp already, that's pretty good in IVs. It's easy to go for it, because once, once I realized that Togekiss just plowed through any fighting type rocket run, like it was nothing. I was using my Toga Kid for everything I could. Same thing with the Dragon. But I don't have a Shadow Dragon Knight yet that I really want to use. And I don't think I picked up any IV sets that really justify dumping all that Stardust in yet. But it was nice to get the opportunities to do so. And Ralts said just, like I said, I already have a Shadow Garbor, but. I feel like I can never pass up an opportunity to get a route. Though near like the back half of GoFest, within like the last three hours or so, I kind of got to a point of like, screw it. I want to make sure I get some opportunities to check Chinese in person as well. So I just want to get up to my three, get up to my rocket radar as quickly as possible. So I was mostly just, if I couldn't charm it to death, I was skipping it, including routes. So there was a lot of them. Fortunate Machops and Dratinis that were dislocated from their homes that day. Granted, their homes are suck because they work for an evil organization, but dislocated from their homes nevertheless. Yeah, I've been rambling for a little bit, and I feel like there's something else I want to talk about before I officially end off 
the Skullfest discussion, but nothing that really peeks out on my mind. I didn't just remember the last major thing I wanted to showcase. And that's just simply some of the more uncommon stuff that I managed to stock up on for this particular Skullfest. So don't mind me as I scroll through my Pokemon all that. For a little like, let me just scroll to the bottom and see if I can figure out what was the last one I actually got before Goldfest. Seems like a fair bet. So I got like about 38 Litwicks. If I can spell correctly. Got 67 Aloha Marowak, which is more Aloha Marowaks than I would normally be able to do in all my dreams. <laughs> and despite all that, there's not one with a PvP IV set that I'm happy with. But I guess that's what trading's for. Dariumakas. Got myself. Not that many, because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that isn't a Dariumaka that's coming up in search. It's not that. Yeah. Pretty sure that those first two I got before Goldfest, so safe to save like about 17 Dariumakas. Kind of make, makes me convinced they didn't show up at day two at all. Did I keep all my Durants? I don't, I think I did, but only got like 26, maybe like 24 if I count ones that I got beforehand. I think I only held on to one Durant, but I'm not 100% sure. Eh, he more just for the heck of it. Let's just say 15, because there's like three down here that aren't heat mores at all, and I'm pretty sure at least one of these heat mores I got before Goldfest. So like 14. Oh yeah, there's that audio note I got, and I almost completely forgot that I did a lucky, I was lucky friends with someone, so we swapped the Algas. I mean, I was holding on to the Dialga that I caught all the way back when I was in PAX East. So even if the IVs weren't that great, like I would argue this guy it would be an example of, we'd both at least get three Dialga candies out of the trade. So it just seemed like the perfect time to finally get rid of that thing. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for reminding me. I held on, to, like, Zangus is a one of those regionals they held on to the most. So I think I actually had three Zangus before this, which means I got 36 Zangus throughout the time frame. Oh yeah, I should do a gnomes. That, that's going to be a fun one. 89 on gnomes. That's what I mean. Like, if you were running an instance, you were not going to have issues running into to these things. And I guess when there's more letters than G and O, but now that I'm actually scrolling through it, it is just G and O. I definitely don't need to hold on to all of these. <laughs> I'll figure out what to do about that later, though. I did upgrade and clean out my storage well before GoFest, so it's not like I'm really in a rush to do that. I think I cleaned down my Grimers already, otherwise I showcased that. Feral Seeds, I probably cleaned out some, but looks like I still held on to at least six of them. And I'm not going to go over legendaries because I 
don't really didn't really raid too hard even when I had the group two. So maybe like only probably did like five to six legendary raids in general for day two. I'll totally kiss is another one I could check. Except I think I already started to do to transfer Toga Kit. So, yeah, I had a lot more than this. Gonna just have to take my word on that. Anything else worth sharing? Oh yeah, Scumfist were showing up during the battle hour. I don't think they showed up too much on day two, but looks like I at least held on to seven of those Scumfists. And I think I showcased how many Gibbles I got already, so I think that's all that's really worth show and telling. Overall, I think I enjoy myself with Gullfest. There's little minor things that just, like, keep weeding my head of, did I really enjoy it? Like, did I tr try too hard? Did I get myself too stressed by outside factors? But the event itself was fruitful and enjoyable. Would have been nice to do it in person, of course, or even in a better time where I felt a bit more comfortable actually hanging out with other people for longer. But it is what it is. You know what would be the dream? To celebrate a GoFest like this at Con Bravo, where, like, <laughs> I'm gonna end off that fantasy here because I've been rambling on it for so long as is. Thank you all for tuning in for me basically just like nerding out over GoFest. If you like what you heard, show support on whatever platform you're listening to. The likes on the YouTubes, the rating on the iTunes, and everything in between. I've been a little off the past couple weeks just because I need to take time off for GoFest, but I'm hoping to get back into like some sort of alternation between podcasts and game chills on Mondays. Maybe someday we'll get back to having battle commentaries on Tuesday as well. And I got YouTube videos going on for the rest of the week. I have a website where you can check out more details of what I do, including when I upload content and the approximate schedule I currently have in store. But if you prefer to take in that sort of information on social media and don't mind a little bit of shenanigans in between, I also have a Twitter. All that should be in the show notes slash description of this video. Until next time, take care. Mm -hmm.